become a place where global power brokers come to really set the tone for what the year is going to be. Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owner and producer of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. That was Sarah Fisher. She is the media trends reporter for Axios, a key media outlet here in D.C. and well beyond the borders of the nation's capital, I should say, covering policy and innovation and the intersection of technology and so many other industries. So she is talking about the key theme of this week's podcast, CES 2019, a look back, uh, the major themes, the big takeaways, the lessons learned, and the evolution both of technology innovation and the show itself. So along with talking to Sarah and Axios, we are speaking with a key player in the self-driving vehicle sector, uh, vehicle tech, a major element of CES 2019. And we are speaking with Bosch. You may not know them quite as well as some of the major automobile manufacturers that were at CES, but Bosch is a key player as we strive toward that self-driving vehicle future. Also, one of the breakout stars of CES 2019. You hear us say it all the time, every company is or needs to be a tech company in today's marketplace. Well, today we're talking with Impossible Foods. What are they doing at CES? It's a fascinating answer to that and their place moving forward in their role in the tech sector. All of that is coming up on this week's edition of CES Tech Talk. With us now from Parts Unknown is Sarah Fisher from Axios. I, I say that jokingly, Sarah. Your travel schedule, I know, has been crazy in and around CES. So really glad we, we found time with you. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to be joining you. Somehow we got you in one location, that is Las Vegas, uh, at, at the right time and in the right place uh, during CES 2019. You're a bit of a veteran of coming to CES. Uh, what's your overview on this year's show? My overview is that it was more important than ever to be there. If you're someone that needs to broker a deal in the media technology, consumer technology, uh, automation space, in the past, CES was really focused on the technology itself, and it still is. But now it's become a place where global power brokers come to really set the tone for what the year is going to be. And if you're not there, it's it's almost like it's a business uh, loss for you. It, you kind of have to make yourself present, make your company known. And it's just sort of the new uh, standard. So your time, um, at least in terms of your demands, I know, required that you were at C-Space a lot. You were, once again, um, a speaker, a moderator this year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you both had to say up on the dais <laughs> in front of the audience, but also what you, what you heard there while you were in the spotlight, Sarah. Yeah, so I think one of the big things that I heard a lot about was connected health. If all the consumer technology updates i think what we could do to make it better for people to check in on elderly parents or relatives using video technology or sensors or what we're doing to monitor blood pressure or insulin levels that i think was the hottest thing from a consumer technology perspective mm -hmm. but then as it pertains to my beat you know i cover media and technology i think the hot thing was really new forms of advertising in every kind of platform imaginable. So 
I didn't even feel like we were talking about voice that much last year. This year, voice exploded. And how we're going to market to people on voice assistance exploded. You heard so many people talking about streaming TV and what the advertising ecosystem will look like there. Even the advertising system, they're going to exist in regular, you know, Internet of Things devices in the home. Anything from a smart thermostat or a smart refrigerator, marketers want to get in there. So that was another central theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is really where you live, Sarah. This is your beat, and and it coincides so nicely with C Space, which is the you know the intersection of um, marketing and advertising of of brands of entertainment and Hollywood and and media as well as as a key part of that. Um, just recently, you wrote about um, you know, the expectations of much more personalized advertising coming to us um, in terms of video advertising, right? Um, Let's do a quick uh, back and forth on that, what you know now and, and, and what you see in the year ahead as far as that goes. Yeah, so it used to be that with traditional ad mediums, it was really linear. It was a message coming to you, and there was no two-way communication. If a consumer didn't like the ad, if they didn't think it was relevant, who cares? That was the ad you were getting served. Well, that turned consumers off a lot, especially in the era where digital advertising is much more of a two-way conversation. You search for something, you get served an ad as something that will be relevant to you. And heck, if you don't like it and you're not going to be acting on it or buying something from it, that data goes back to the advertiser as a signal of, hey, this person is not interested, let's move on. And so two-way conversation through marketing is hot. And if you are a legacy industry, television or radio, and you weren't doing two-way conversations through advertising, I think those industries are starting to realize now that they are far behind. So you're seeing TV companies roll out what's called addressable advertising or targeted ads. You're seeing audio ads become much more personalized. Pandora is rolling out sort of targeted automated technology to make those ads better. So that's the future. You know, you're not going to see as many broad-based ads that aren't applicable to your needs anymore. No more ads for medicine if you're not sick or ads for dog food if you're a cat owner. That sort of thing. Yeah, I, as a dog owner, I, I wouldn't say I'm offended by cat advertisements, but I would much prefer to hear what uh, what my golden retriever might benefit from in terms of pet tech and others. Um, all right, personal preferences aside, Sarah, um, one of my favorite terms, and this doesn't apply only to the C-Space world, um, but really technology in general, comes from um, Representative Will Hurd uh, from Texas, and his phrase is, data is the coin of the realm. Um, it just so succinctly captures um, the fact that just as we say every industry is or needs to be a tech industry, data is or needs to be a consideration for every company in the advertising, marketing, entertainment media space, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about the two-way conversation. If you are a media company and you're not using data to inform your communications and marketing and content strategies, you're going to get left behind. I mean, take a look at some of the new age media companies. On Snapchat, you have these companies like Vertical Networks that are producing really catered to shows for a certain young demographic. And those shows are created using data of how kids click through the scenes, of which ones they talk about online. 
They're using response from consumers to really craft the content. It's no longer good enough to just create a show and put it out there and hope that people like it. And I mean, I think the best example of this is you saw this the other day with Netflix and Bird Box. Right. Bird Box was a show that I think it got in the 60s on Rotten Tomatoes. It wasn't critically acclaimed, but Netflix was really smart at driving a conversation around it to get people to tune in. They got people to talk about it on social. They used those memes that users created to promote the show. And when doing that, they were able to really drive viewership. So if you're not thinking about how you're using data to deliver good content and to create good content, people are going to tune out. You're not going to be able to win. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit more about the technology themes that, that you saw, Sarah, that are going to enable this, this two-way conversation, uh, which is a great way, in, in your words, that you put it. Um, one had to do with the partnerships we saw uh, at CES, um, primarily between Apple and a number of uh, television manufacturers. But there are other examples, I'm sure. What what on the technology side did you see that that, that is the most immediate example or examples of, of game-changing tech and the convergence in this space? Well, to the partnerships level, I mean, you're starting to see hardware companies really partner with software companies to enable that software to be accessible to a consumer no matter what device they're on. So you have Samsung and LG putting Apple software, you know, whether it's iTunes, uh, onto their TV system so that when a user goes to log on to their television set, they can have a seamless experience with all their Apple content from their computer to their TV. So partnerships is a big part of it. As far as technology goes, I think what you're seeing on the TV side of the television providers, so that would be cable and satellite companies like a Comcast or an Altice, as well as television networks, you know, like a CBS or a Fox or a Viacom, they're really starting to tap into how can we leverage data from a set-top box, that little black box that kind of blinks when you get it from your cable company. How can we take the data from that and use it to deliver really customized ads uh, also, how can we get the data from that and use it to create a more customized discovery service for you? So if you're Xfinity or an Altice customer and you go to the content channel surfing module, the, the recommendations might be a little bit more tailored to your personal preferences than they would have been in the past. And so I think in the TV space, that's a big thing you're seeing. And then, of course, in the voice space, all the media companies are now starting to really think about how do I create custom skills on a voice assistant Alexa, a voice assistant technology like Alexa? Mm -hmm. Or how do I create a show that's specifically for voice command? All of these things we weren't really talking about even just a year or two ago. They're so new, but they're going to be so crucial to the new media ecosystem. Yeah, voice everywhere seems to be the, uh, the catchphrase that, that appears again and again. Um, to that end, Sarah, Artificial intelligence, clearly a, a key, if not the dominant theme of CES 2019. Um, as that evolves at such a lightning fast pace, it seems, um, that's very much a critical element, right, for all the companies that are involved in the technologies and, and almost the business strategy that you're talking about at this point, which is adopting voice and what other, whatever other manifestations AI offers um, to personalize that experience. I think one of the key themes here is that Americans need to be informed and entertained, but they need it to come in a way that is convenient with their life. 
you have stories about parents who are shipping kids off to school, taking a work call, trying to manage their laundry and making breakfast all within one hour. They might not have time to sit in front of a television set, but it doesn't mean that they don't want the quality news and journalism that's coming from a CNN or a CBS. So those networks need to be really thinking about how can I deliver my great journalism to them in a way that makes sense for their life? And I think voice is interesting for two reasons. One, you can deliver the actual content in a way that is more suitable. If you're a parent and you have a baby in one hand, you're making a peanut butter and jelly in another, and you're loading the car, you just can listen to the news instead of having to watch it in front of a TV. But then the other big part of it, too, is the actual turning on and turning off media systems can be just as much of a burden. Again, if you are running around and your hands are tied and it's a hectic morning, all you have to do with your iPhone in your back pocket is say, hey, Siri, or hey, you know, Alexa, if you have a device close to you that's like an Echo Dot, can you just play me the weather? Can you just tell me what the traffic is like? And they'll automatically do it for you. You don't even have to press a button for it to go on. And so I think what media companies are recognizing is that it's not that they have to change with what they are at their core. It's that they need to make sure that their product can be delivered to users in a way that makes sense with their new realities, which is, quite frankly, a hyper-productive society. It's fun to hear you talk in these third-person um, voices, Sarah, about exasperated parents and, and busy, on-the-go professionals when you're calling us between flights from an airport. So I can, <laughs> I can hear the, uh, you know, the empathy in your voice in a lot of this. Um, wrapping up now, what about um, 5G connectivity? It's an issue. It's, I think, a little tougher for consumers to get a grip on simply because um, of the, the, the practical applications are on the way rather than something we're seeing right now in our hands. Um, but clearly a key platform technology for so much of, of, of what you saw and, and talked about at CES. I mean, 5G is the center of what was going on at CES to the point where I feel like silly that I didn't even mention it in the first place. So, when you think about all of these services that are internet connected, whether it's a gaming console, a streaming device, a smart thermostat, a smart fridge, a computer, a laptop, a smart TV, you name it. The average American household has 13 internet connected devices. We need really strong internet to power them. And I think one thing that most people forget is that internet is a physical thing. It's an actual infrastructure that you build and that you, quite frankly, can go wrong with. We see different societies where the internet infrastructure is really poor, and so people can't use these technologies at the same level at which we can here in the States. But one big improvement that you're seeing a big push on here in the United States, as well as with some of our competitors in places like China, is with a technology called 5G, where essentially it's the next level of you know mobile communications that can really transform data at a high speed reducing latency, so slow load times. And it's supposed to really be a game changer for society. It's going to save energy. It's going to reduce costs overall. And there's great implications, obviously, for important things in society like education and healthcare. With 5G, we can make it so that you can do remote surgeries if you don't live close to a hospital. Or we can have more remote education for kids that maybe are sick and can't attend school physically every day. 
Sarah Fisher is media reporter with Axios. Hey, everybody, do yourself a favor. Sign up for Sarah's Media Trends newsletter. Uh, It's one of the best reads in my inbox each week. Uh, Sarah, lucky to have you between your flights, taking some time with us, and and great to see you at CES as well. Um, Much more to come. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you, and I'll talk to you soon. Joining us now is Mike Mansuetti, who is the president of Bosch North America. Mike, a longtime CES veteran. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, I assume you've, to some extent, caught your breath and your voice has returned and <laughs> you've, you've gotten new shoes to replace the ones you wore out during CES 2019 week. Yeah, CES was amazing. It was our seventh time there. Uh, we had a very another successful CES, and uh, it was... Uh, even bigger and better than any of the past ones. And uh, we had the chance to launch our new IOT campaign. So we were very excited to be there. And uh, again, the show was, was, was excellent uh, for everyone as, as well as for us. We're, we're glad to be there. It is a great way to start the year, but uh, for us in the, the automotive industry or the mobility side, we were, we got a, a minute to take a breath and then we were right into the, the auto show. And then, uh, now we're in a winter snowstorm. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a – January is a full-out sprint, we know, for the auto sector every year. Um, you touched on the future of IoT, and, and Bosch was very deep into the idea of connected mobility at CES. Um, that's becoming more and more of um, a buzzworthy term in and around the tech sector. What is your position on exactly what connected mobility means and how you brought that to life at CES? Yeah, we're really uh, transforming. If you think about Bosch, I mean, we're working to change, uh, you know, everyday lives with our IoT solutions. Uh, you know, we want people to be able to live more easily and efficiently and safety in this connected world. And uh, as I was mentioning, we in our in our media briefing, we launched our IoT campaign. Uh, most of the people know Bosch for the products that we have uh, invented over the years and, and produced, but we're becoming much more than just a products company with our wide range of sensors and now software and services on top of that. And at, at CES, we uh, displayed our IoT shuttle, if you will. So as we look towards this connected mobility, we gave people a glimpse of, of what mobility may look like in the future when you came by the Bosch booth. Well, let's talk about that that shuttle a little bit, because I think one of the ways the conversation is evolving around self-driving vehicles is that, look, when we put a timeline on this as an industry, we're talking about segmentation here. There are commercial fleets, there are um, personal fleets, and then there are, are you know, various iterations in between. So where do you see uh, the IoT shuttle for Bosch in, in that kind of evolutionary line and the, and the, the specific need that it will service for, uh, for consumers and for business? Yeah, with the shuttle, um, first, just to be honest, we're not going to get into the market of producing shuttles, but we provide a lot of the elements that make that service and that mobility uh, possible So right, in this right. kind of shared mobility, if you will. So in the IoT shuttle in the booth, we were not only displaying some of the technology, like the sensors, for example, or maybe some of the electrification on the powertrain that makes that possible, but also some of the services that, that go along with it. Um, so imagine, if you will, your, uh, you know, we, we showed off uh, a business application where uh, you know, a person was going to a meeting and on the way to the meeting, they were able to have some phone calls and some other meetings and then decided that uh, they needed to, to pick up a, a person that would help them. And they you know, 
stop by, pick them up, and then together they could exchange, have the conversation, do their work, and then arriving safely uh, at their destination. So if you think about it, there's a lot of different things when you talk about mobility, and you don't have to worry about driving itself, but, uh, you know, having a shuttle autonomously take you somewhere. Uh, so those are times of types of things we were, were talking about. And just giving people, uh, you know, and our customers a, a glimpse of, of what the possibilities are and then getting their reaction, you know, because I think mm -hmm. in the future it's going to be very, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a, a holistic user experience. And we want to, we want to see how people might react or, or use these types of things in order to be better tailor our services as well as the technology that goes behind them. Well, I know you were having very high level conversations, Mike, around CES with, with that potential customer base or, or, or fellow, fellow leaders in, in that sector. What were you hearing? What was the reaction that, that you were getting? Yeah, I think uh, in uh, all the customers were very were were very let's say engaged with the the topics that that we were that we were displaying and the mm -hmm. possibilities that that could come as a result of of this new technology that that we were providing. So everybody is very excited, and I think um, you know when we talk about this connected, automated, electrified mobility. Uh, it, it it's coming. I think a little of the questions now were you know when will fully autonomous uh, becoming in terms of mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're starting to see that maybe push out a little bit, but I think some of these areas around shuttles, you know, in a, in an environment in a, in a very, let's say, well-known environment, maybe a geofenced environment could provide a lot of, of benefits, uh, for the user. So they were happy to see what we could provide and how we could help them. Um, another thing is the, the partnerships, really no one individual or company are going to be able to do this by themselves. So we had a lot of good discussions with, uh, you know, not only existing customers, future customers, but future partners as well. Mm -hmm. um, two of the key themes, Mike, overarching around CES 2019, uh, both applied deeply to self-driving vehicles. One would be 5G and, and connectivity, and the other is certainly AI, which permeated virtually, you know, every square foot of the show itself. Taking those one at a time and beginning with, with, with 5G, uh, clearly this is a, a critical platform technology uh, to enable the, the vast needs of what a self-driving vehicle uh, system would look like. Yeah, exactly, Tyler. I mean, 5G is going to be that technology that enables the connectivity to happen at speeds and in real time. I mean, that's that's the importance for this technology, right? You, we're, we're talking about mobility. It's live. It's in real time. And then when you also look at the artificial intelligence or machine learnings, uh, we need to be happening. We need all of that to be happening in real time. And this is what 5G will enable. Mm -hmm. And then the other arm of that, of course, is AI, right? Being able to um, capture all this data and analyze all the data and make such lightning fast real time decisions. Exactly. And like I said before, real time is the key. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this artificial intelligence, intelligence I think. You know, people are starting to understand a little bit more about what really is artificial intelligence. And it's really that umbrella that captures all of these things around data and big data, data analytics, and especially machine learning. Um, and we're starting to see that show up in, in everywhere. And as you said, it was, it was all over in Las Vegas at CES. Um, we've been doing some interesting things with artificial intelligence. We now have our new Bosch Center for Artificial Intelligence uh, located in our uh, co-located in Sunnyvale, in Germany and in India. Mm -hmm. um, so there's more and more we're seeing the, the need 
to have the competencies around data, data analytics, uh, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence, because it's just so important, not just for the mobility sector and autonomous driving, but we're, we're seeing it almost in every sector of our business. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned timelines once or twice, Mike, do, and understanding that you know, one significant breakthrough in, in technology can can change a, a, a potential timeline or forecast dramatically. But um, anything that, that, that you feel confident in sharing from, from your and Bosch's position in terms of what's ahead in this sector across the next, say, one to 10 years? Yeah, I think we'll we'll continue to see more and more of these technologies emerge and become more commonplace as we're, you know, we're kind of in the level two of automation going to level three, if we mm-hmm. talk specifically about automated driving. I mean, level four and five, especially if, as I look out the window today and in the middle of our winter blast and the snowstorm, <laughs> I mean, are we going to be fully autonomous everywhere in weather conditions such as this in the next few years? Uh, probably not, but uh, the technology is developing fast. We're deploying those things. Uh, we talked about our deployment in San Jose together with our partner Daimler. Uh, so we're gaining a lot of miles, gaining a lot of experience. Uh, you know, things like machine learning and artificial intelligence are, are helping us there. Um, so I would I would say over the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot of change um, in in the automotive or the mobility industry that we've come to know it as now. And I think uh, over the next few years, we'll see a very rapid deployment of the technologies um, so that, you know, each and everybody, each and every individual and consumer can start to get familiar with these technologies. We see, you know, a lot of them on the automobiles today, and we'll continue to see just more and more acceptance and and more and more proliferation on, on all the platforms across all the customers. Well, Bosch will be a key player in bringing our self-driving future into the present at a very rapid pace. And Mike Mansuetti is president of Bosch North America. Mike, so glad you had a great CES 2019. And as always, appreciate your insights on what is a fascinating tech sector right now. Thank you very much. Enjoy talking with you. I'm looking forward to next year's CES. For, you know, once it ends, we start with the next one. We're <laughs> looking forward to 2020. We know that drill on this end. Mike, thanks so much. Dr. David Lippman is Chief Science Officer with Impossible Foods, the breakout star of CES 2019. Uh, Dr. Lippman, I don't think I'm going too far in saying that. Congratulations on a fantastic debut at CES. Well, thank you very much. It was it was really an exciting event to take part in. Well, let's uh, go about this chronologically, if you don't mind. Um, why get involved with CES in the first place? This was your first show. Um, we love to say every tech company is or needs to be um, at CES. In fact, every company is or needs to be a tech company these days. Um, what was the decision-making process there at Impossible? That's a great question. I mean... The thing of it is, is that uh, there's no more important technology that humanity has than food. Um, food's essential to life. It's one of the great pleasures of life. Unfortunately, we also see that, at least with the animals in the food system, it's incredibly destructive uh, to the environment. And in order to tackle it, we need really the best and deepest possible technology. Uh, uh, I think the impact of the work that we're doing to try to eliminate the need for animals in the in the food system by making the most delicious plant-based meats 
um, that that work uh, is going to have a far greater impact than, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we see in the news about social media and the rest. Uh, either way, um, all the best technology companies are at CES, so we thought it was a great opportunity to introduce our new uh, version of our hamburger. So I know there are a number of options that are food-only shows or ag-only shows um, where you can reach a, a designated group of stakeholders that you want to speak to. Um, how did the spark of CES first come up? I mean, how did it come to the table there at Impossible Foods that, you know, this is the largest, most influential tech event on the planet, so it's only natural that we're going to be there. Well, uh, my daughter uh, is in the communications uh, team at CES uh, for the Consumer Technology Association, and uh, I was serving her and her uh, her husband uh, the uh, uh, before release, the new version of our burger. We just grilled it up, and it was juicy and delicious. And she took two bites, and she just said, Dad this should be introduced at CES. And so I hooked her up with uh, Rachel Conrad, the head of our communications, and uh, both sides agreed that this was just the perfect uh, event to uh, announce the uh, the product. Let's talk about that reception then, Dr. Lippman, with um, your arrival at CES um, and, and your space, the constant lines <laughs> that were there, but also your your marketing approach, your approach of, uh, of how exactly you shared this product um, with attendees? Well, there were a number of parts to it. Um, uh, you know, we had a food truck uh, that was in the sort of parking lot area behind the Google, uh, the large Google exhibit. And in the beginning, uh, there weren't uh, there weren't too many people who could find it. Uh, but then word got around that they could have a, uh, uh, a free uh, uh, Impossible Burger. And uh, the lines really started to get there. Uh, but the event kicked off on, on a Monday uh, and the border grill. We worked very closely with uh, Mary Sue Milliken, who is the uh, you know, really fabulous chef uh, and co-owner of the border grill. And she and her staff uh, really created some terrific dishes uh, using the Impossible Burger. And I think that really made a difference. And the word of mouth you heard um, there on the ground, um, the media coverage was spectacular in terms of volume and also um, just glowing reviews of your product. What about the feedback you got directly there, um, you know, in a, in a sense, running a food truck, right? Well, so let's start with the press event because we had several grills going. They, uh, uh, the Border Grill um, – really provided some really exciting dishes. The, the product's quite versatile. Um, and uh, we were hearing, you know, the side conversations of the journalists and so forth. Uh, They're very positive. But when they could actually watch it being grilled outside and have something right off the grill, that just seemed to have a, a major impact. And you could see, uh, you know, different uh, journalists sort of getting videotapes of them biting into it and so forth. Um, uh, then there were other talks. Uh, at CES, uh, uh, Pat Brown was involved in one of the panels. And again, what we saw after those things is that, um, uh, uh, and some of the other interviews, have brought more and more people to the food truck. And once that got going, then 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 really it just cascaded. Mm-hmm. Um, the reviews were especially strong because part of the approach that you had was to roll out a suite of products, right? Impossible Burger, I think, is 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 the maybe has the best name recognition perhaps. Um, but you were serving all kinds of products. I think that that, that depth um, and um, diversity of food 
that this technology could be applied to really made a difference in terms of the impression that you left? You know, that's a great point. I mean, the key thing, the Burger 2.0 is one product, but it is an ingredient that can be used every which way that, uh, that beef, ground beef can be used. And that, I think, kind of really sparks your thinking if you're, you've tried two or three dishes and you realize, wow, this is something that if I brought it home, I could, I could use it on all different ways myself. And I think that, um, uh, and that was, that was really key. Um, and frankly, look, a lot of the dishes that, that, uh, uh, that were provided were just, they were just delicious. And, you know, people like food. (laughs) We do, which leads to the larger issue of resilience, um, a key theme at CES 2019. Um, how do we keep ourselves warm and sheltered and fed and healthy, um, in the face of, of, natural disaster or disaster otherwise, even slow moving, right? Um, and as you said earlier, Dr. Lippman, the food supply and food sourcing is such a critical part of that. You know, I, I, the thing that motivated Pat Brown, the founder of the company 10 years ago, to, to start going in this direction was the recognition that most folks really have not been aware of how damaging the animals in the food system have been in terms of the carbon footprint, water, land use, all the rest. And and so the contribution to global global climate change is just it, it's either the worst or among the very worst, including transportation and so forth. So here you have this dire problem, but because it's a ways off, it's hard to really convince people in terms of the worst consequences. You really have to give somebody an alternative that they choose right now, something that benefits them right now. So the, the, his idea was, yeah, we have this crisis problem. But the way to solve it is by making the most delicious possible plant-based meat. Um, on an earlier episode of this podcast, Dr. Lippman, we had uh, one of our several media roundtables from journalists who were at CES covering the show. This is in, in real time. And uh, one of them pointed out that Impossible Foods is such a natural fit uh, at CES. And and you know, many other companies and other sectors would be because she saw that technology is emerging um, as an enabler, not just a final product, but as enabler of, of key ideas and key innovations across a suite of sectors. Is that a fair description of where Impossible Foods fits in the greater tech ecosystem, the greater innovation ecosystem? Absolutely. You know, the same kind of language that's used. Uh, we have a technology platform. You know, we have these partnerships. You know, this is an enabler, not just going out to the uh, ultimate uh, uh, consumer, but uh, for food service, for all these other things. There's so many uh, parallels with technology in other areas. I do think, though, that we are fairly unusual in that the level of technology that we're bringing to bear to the problem but um, but I think the other thing that's important to keep in mind is that the the attendees are people who really are excited by technology and who really want to look at, to the future and see how we can solve problems. And so I think that, you know, um, you can generate more enthusiasm for what you're doing if you're surrounded by people and reaching out to people who are really receptive uh, to new ideas and new approaches. And, and that's what we saw at CES. 
Dr. Final question, if it's fair to ask about future plans for Impossible Foods and CES, um, maybe it's better to make it broader, but uh, your plans to continue to engage the tech sector, the international tech business sector, um, as part of your business strategy and and how you'll do that moving forward? Uh, Well, you know, we learned a lot um, by the experience of, of, of participating at CES, and, and I think that we are looking for other uh, opportunities uh, that are have been different uh, than in the past to reach out to uh, to the media, to uh, other uh, technology uh, uh, companies, and so forth. And so uh, this this has really been an eye opener for us. Uh, but we're also uh, uh, you know dealing with the consequences of CS, which is we are really ramping up, sc- scaling up what we're doing because it's generated so much uh, interest in, in 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 Impossible Foods. Makes us happy to hear that. Dr. David Lippman is Chief Science Officer with Impossible Foods, one of the breakout companies. Uh, that starred at CES 2019. Dr. Lippman, congratulations again on your success and looking forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you, Tyler. This was uh, this was great. All right, and that is a wrap, not just on Tech Talk this week, but on CES Tech Talk 2019. No, not for the entire year coming, but for CES 2019. We're going to take a brief break and let you catch up on all the back episodes of CES Tech Talk that we just wrapped. And then we'll start looking ahead, yes, to CES 2020, a landmark year for some of the biggest players in the tech sector. And who knows who the breakout stars will be in the year ahead. So all that is what we're going to look forward to in the next season of CES Tech Talk. Until then, for our outstanding superstar performers here, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, our chief engineer, John Lindsay, I'm Tyler Suters. We're glad you're with us. And let's talk tech again soon.